Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Linda Farmer. She is a distributor and consultant with Send Out Cards, changing lives one card at a time. She's also a volunteer at an annual children's camp, and she's founder of Women on Point. Today, Linda will be sharing some of her story and how it has evolved into doing all that she does to help others. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Angela. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have you here to not only share about the things that you're doing now, but to share your story, which I find very encouraging and inspiring, and I think a lot of other people will get some helpful tips and some hope from the things that you have to share. So before we talk about Send Out Cards and your volunteer work and Women on Point, the organization that you founded, I would love for you to share with our listeners some of your background story, kind of how you've evolved to to who you are today, and then maybe lead up into the situation, the challenge that you faced with your husband's illness. I would be happy to do that because I uh, I know that my story, while it is unique to me, probably resonates with a lot of women because no doubt there are certain situations in all of our lives that parallel each other. Yes. Um, I grew up in Kokomo, Indiana, a small town in the Midwest, and my parents were working class people, so I grew up in that environment and didn't really have a whole lot of entrepreneurial background, certainly had no aspirations to become a businesswoman, but sort of evolved into that situation. My husband and I met very early. I I was 12. He was 16. Got married when I was 18. Had my first child at 20. And our daughter was born and subsequently became ill. And because of the illness, lost her hearing. Mm. So I'm a young mom married to a Marine officer, traveling the world, separated from my family, and raising a daughter that had a, I'm putting this in uh, in quotes, disability. Mm -hmm. But my life very quickly took on a a different road. So I thrust myself into making sure that I provided everything that she needed for her survival and coping in a hearing world Mm -hmm. that she would be able to grow up into the uh, kind of woman that the world would embrace. Mm -hmm. And I'm very blessed that I was given that opportunity. She is an incredible woman, an incredible wife, incredible mother. And I have two other children as well. She has a brother, Chris, and a younger brother, Jim. And this whole evolution of who I was as an 18-year-old has greatly changed to the woman that I am today. And, I, you know, my kids have been a huge, huge blessing as well as my husband. But it was very important for me to be a stay-at-home mom Mm-hmm. at a time when being a stay-at-home mom really wasn't all that popular, right? And, but it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And I 
embrace the entrepreneurial world. I wanted to do something where I could stay at home. And through the course of the years, I looked at different avenues, even had my own gift basket company for several years and enjoyed that. But as time progressed, my husband retired from the Marine Corps. Our kids were settled into their own lives. And we were kind of just coasting along, mm-hmm. coasting along and enjoying, you know, the fruits that God had provided for us. Right. Before then, you go on to what happened next, I would love for you to share with the listeners, because there's a great deal of people out there today, moms and dads, who are dealing with challenges because of their children's yeah. illnesses, whether physical or emotional or mental. Can mm-hmm. you share with the listeners a little bit of, about how you felt dealing with that situation of your daughter's hearing loss and overcoming the challenges? Because obviously that's a huge life adjustment and it's not something that we expect when we have children. We always expect them to be normal and healthy and everything to kind of go along fairly smoothly. So share with the listeners how you dealt with some of that because I really believe that that probably attributes to what you dealt with later on in life with your husband and other things that came up. I would be happy to share that, and I will tell you that when Tracy became ill, she was six months old. She was diagnosed with viral pneumonia, and we were in Pensacola, Florida at the time. My husband was going through flight school. They couldn't do anything for her there. They, it was really a mystery because it was not the medicine that they were giving her was not treating her. Mm-hmm. So they airbacked us to Bethesda, Maryland. During the course of that time, she just increasingly became worse. She she lost weight. The doctors told her her chances of survival were pretty slim. So eventually, you know, just through prayer and vigilance, she did get better. And when she was nine months old, she probably, you know, she had not progressed as far as her, her crawling and all the things that a nine-month-old child should could do because she had been bedridden for three months. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she survived was a miracle. And I never will forget the day that my husband came home from work. He dropped his keys on the floor. Tracy did not respond. And we thought, well, that's weird. So mm-hmm. he dropped something heavier on the floor, and she still didn't respond. Mm-hmm. We took her to the doctor. They diagnosed her. He said that she was deaf. We kind of looked at each other, and I'm not making light of this because I know that each situation for everyone is different, but we thought, is that all? Mm. And for us, just having her alive and healthy and getting better each day Mm -hmm. was a continued miracle. So her deafness didn't really hit us with the impact that it might someone else. Mm -hmm. We were just grateful that we still had her. Mm-hmm. Of course, there were challenges as she got older, and we learned very early on that we were going to have to learn her language. Um, so we immersed ourselves in sign language. We learned we learned how to sign. We made sure that she was exposed to as much of the hearing world as she could because we knew that that was going to be the environment that she was going to grow up in. Right. And taught her coping skills. Mm-hmm. I will say this, having a deaf child, seriously, is can be exhausting. You can't yell, 
don't run into the street. You Mm -hmm. actually have to run after the child to keep Mm -hmm. them from running in the street. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm just saying this because I, I know that our experience with Tracy may be a little bit different from someone else who was coping with a child with a physical disability, a hearing loss, whatever the case may be. Right. But there is a strength in knowing that you're not alone in this. We have met some incredible people through that. We still have friends that went through a a similar experience with their daughter. And I just think that through it all, making sure that the child, in our case, making sure that Tracy had all of the tools that she needed to survive Mm -hmm. were important. Having a support system of people who are in the same situation is critical. Yes. Making sure that your family is aware and keyed in to what those child, that child's particular needs are is critical to survival in so, so many ways. So I, I don't know if that answers the question, but at, at least for us, it was kind of like, huh, okay. <laughs> All of these things that the doctor said are, were going to happen to her that she wasn't going to grow, that her head wasn't going to grow, it was going to stay the same size as a nine-month-old. The fact that she was still alive and functioning, it just seemed to negate everything else that they said. And so when we found out that she was deaf, it was like, eh, we can handle that. Right. That makes sense. And I appreciate you sharing your story because that's the idea is that we go through these things and we learn from them. And I love what you said is that you are grateful that she's alive, which obviously that's huge. And so sometimes even amidst our devastation and the challenges or whatever it is, some are worse than others, we have to find that place of what can we be grateful about and how do we stay in that thankfulness in order to move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And every single day we need to be aware of that gratefulness that we are experiencing and let people know about it as well right very key very key definitely and that in itself is encouraging and inspiring for other people so you went along life you raised your kids you had different challenges as all parents do and I'm sure challenges in your marriage as all couples do and then what occurred that kind of shook things up once again for you well you know my husband retired from the Marine Corps he was in a civilian job for the first time in over 22 years, loving it. Our life was good. We had our first granddaughter. I was able to work if I wanted to, not work if I didn't want to. Things were kind of coasting along. And then in the winter of 2004, we were kind of just enjoying life. And Christmas was coming up. My daughter and her husband and son were flying in from New York. They were going to spend Christmas with us. I had everything planned out all the way to the end detail. The tree was perfect. The house was perfect. The meal was planned. It was a Martha Stewart event. Let's put it that way. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came and we had a great time. A couple of days before Christmas, I noticed that my husband seemed a little off because he's usually the center of attention. He is very outgoing, very gregarious, uh, loves being loves being with the grandkids and the kids. But he was a little off and thought he was catching a cold or something. Christmas Day, he still was not quite himself. He complained of an earache and 
didn't really seem to be enjoying the festivities. Christmas, the day after Christmas, I woke up and he was already out of the bed on the sofa with his hands between his heads and clearly in pain. And I, first of all, I have to tell you that in the 45 years prior, well, in the 40 some odd years prior to his getting sick, he had never been sick. Mm-hmm. He might get a little sniffle here and there, but he had never been sick. Right. And he had never had a headache. His head was hurting so bad that he could barely stand. I took him to the emergency room. They did all the, you know, the testing and everything. They ruled out a stroke. His blood pressure was fine. Mm-hmm. They did a CAT scan. They couldn't find anything, and they sent him home. The next day, he felt a little bit better, but by the second day, he couldn't walk. Mm. So we were back in the emergency room. They admitted him and transferred him to another hospital in the area. He was there for a week and kept progressively getting worse. But none of the tests were making any sense. Typical, You know, he was atypical for a stroke patient because his blood pressure was fine. His numbers were not indicating that he had a stroke, and none of the tests were coming back that he'd had a stroke. So everyone was kind of clueless. Now he sent us to UCLA Medical Center, and he was diagnosed after a lot of research on my daughter-in-law, Karen Farmer, bless her heart. You know, she went on the Internet, and she plugged in all of his symptoms, and she said, it looks like Susex syndrome. Well, no one had ever heard of it. UCLA Neurology Department had no idea what I was talking about, mm-hmm. but I insisted that they run the test and follow through on that mm-hmm. and um, got in touch with Dr. Susak, actually, who was in Florida, and he concurred with the doctors, and they talked over the telephone, and he was such an advocate for us that mm-hmm. I will forever be grateful to him because he's miles and miles away, and not the attending physician, but he worked very closely with the doctors at UCLA, and they did come to the conclusion that, yes, it was sex syndrome. My husband was in the hospital, very close to death, undergoing all kinds of treatments, all kinds of testing, and he was finally put on cytoxin, which is what they use for cancer. So he was on infusion. It was one of the most difficult times of my life. Mm, I can imagine. Can you explain to the listeners what, is it SUSAC? S-U-S-A-C, SUSAC syndrome. It is named after John SUSAC, and he is the one who um, consulted with the doctors and was very kind to me during the time that uh, Doug was going through all of this. But it is S-U-S-A-C syndrome. It is a vasculitis that attacks the brain. And all of the things that go along with that. Mm-hmm. It's a virus. It could have been dormant. It could have been okay. in his body for years. Mm-hmm. And it's just it was just one of those freaky things. And the odd thing about Susex syndrome, Angela, is that it typically affects, <laughs> this is very strange, premenopausal women. Mm. Neither one of which, of course, my husband happens to be. Right, right. So, Okay, well, thank you for clarifying that for those who may have not heard of it and don't understand what exactly it is. So how was it then that you found the strength to get through what you were facing with your husband? I'm sure that's a huge upheaval and a big change from this person that 
you were once married to to all of a sudden having to be in the hospital and go through this? It was frightening. I did not know from one day to the next what was going to happen. I had a lot of support through my Bible study group. I had a lot of support from family and friends. Had it not been for them, I probably would have lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Oddly, and you know, the funny thing about the, the whole process was in November, prior to Doug getting sick, our Bible study group had just finished A Purpose Driven Life mm. by Pastor Rick Warren. Mm-hmm. And I and I had prayed about that a lot. I thought, you know, God, just I know that you have a purpose for me. I want to do whatever it is that you have guided me to do. Right. I didn't know that it was going to be a caretaker for my husband. Right. It was not the purpose that I had thought I was going to be embarking on. But mm. it is clearly something that God had intended for me to to go through. I think it's made me a stronger Christian. It's made me believe that. We can overcome anything through His grace. That's right. So I, as difficult as it was, I am not going to say that I wouldn't change a thing, because obviously if I could, I would. It has made my husband a different person because of the um, effects that it has had on his body, and I wouldn't want him to have to go through that, clearly. But I think it's made us stronger. It's made us stronger. Absolutely. And I know that in my own life, too, we come to these places of being challenged, and we can then hopefully rely on our faith and our support system and the things that we know to be true already to get through the situation and to move forward. And so how has that evolved in the past eight years as far as your husband's healing and how things have changed for your life as a couple? Well... There have been major changes in our life as a couple because of the effects that the illness has had on him. I will think I will thankfully say that he has improved, and even though he was not able to go back into the workforce in the same type of uh, situation that he was in before, and certainly our earning power was decreased, he is working again prior to that it became very clear to me that I was going to have to do something to start bringing income into the family. Mm -hmm. The problem with that was, Angela, I, even though he was out of the hospital and out of the nursing home, I was not 100% comfortable leaving him. I actually did go to work outside the home for about a year, but I would come home and I would see things that disturbed me. Mm -hmm. So it, it was really clear to me that I needed to find something where I could work from home. Mm-hmm. Financially, it was critical, and emotionally, it was necessary for me because I I needed to be able to get out and do something that was going to fulfill me because I had been so immersed in taking care of the day-to-day that I was really beginning to lose sight of who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would caution anyone who is uh, in a caretaker position to try to find something that is going to satisfy their needs as well mm-hmm. because it is very it's a very difficult place to be sometimes and it could be a very lonely place to be yes. so they need to find support mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that because i think that's important sometimes as caregivers people don't realize that their own needs are still just as important 
And you really can't be the best caregiver if you're not fulfilling your own needs and thinking about what is it that will help you to get through the situation and, as you said, give you support and encourage you to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if, and there's no guilt involved with that. If, if you find joy in going out for a walk or painting or maybe getting a group of uh, your women friends together, and going out for dinner, it's okay to do that. It took me a while to get to that point where I felt like, oh, I can't leave and I can't do this. But I realized that I was losing myself so much in the process mm-hmm. of taking care of him that I wasn't going to be able to function and continue to take care of him if I didn't do something for me. That's right. Very key. That's an awesome way to put it and to encourage others that it's okay and let them know that. So you went through all this process, and I'm assuming... Is that when you started with Send Out Cards, and when did you start Women on Point? Well, first of all, I love sharing Send Out Cards because it truly does change lives. I, I see that on a daily basis. I just actually got back from convention a couple of days ago, and the, the type of people that are involved in Send Out Cards are the type of people that are going to, to change the world. I love being able to send out gratitude to people, thank you cards. And just letting people know that I care about them, but financially, it it is going to be life changing for me. And for those that are on my team, it it's a great company. Our founder Cody Bateman is an incredible man with a great vision to change the world, and he is doing that. And I see the effects of that. It's not just talk. He walks the walk, mm-hmm. and um, he encourages all of us to do the same. It. It's just one of the best companies that I've ever been involved in, and um, I embrace it completely. That's wonderful. So, so when was it, and how did it come about for you to start Women on Point? Well, because I work from home, and I have my daughter, my son-in-law, and two grandkids living with me, with us, there were so many distractions. Anyone that works from home knows that it takes an incredible amount of discipline to set that time aside and, yes. and not worry about the piles of laundry that need to be done when you have phone calls to make and those phone calls are going to help generate business for you and income for you. You need to be able to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And I was having a really difficult time doing that because I am the kind of person that doesn't work well in clutter. I need to have things in their place and I would do those little things that were keeping me from doing the big things. And I knew that coaching was something that I would benefit from, but financially I was not in a position to do that at -hmm. at that particular time. But I happened to be at an expo with send out cards. I had a table and next door to me, my, my table, I guess you would say, was a gentleman by the name of Jim Haley. And Jim is a business coach. He's been in the coaching uh, business for years and a tenants coach prior to getting into the business coaching aspect. And we started chatting. He likes the concept of women on point. But what I presented to him was that out of my need and my frustration, building a business and trying to be a stay-at-home business Women, but I wanted a program that women could relate to, women that were struggling in their business, maybe women who were in transition mm-hmm. and didn't have the financial means 
to pay for a coaching program because having priced them out, some of them were a little bit pricey, certainly beyond my means at the time. Mm -hmm. So I, I reasoned that if I was in this situation, there had to be other women that were in the same situation. So after a lot of brainstorming, meetings, focus groups, we came up with Women on Point. Mm -hmm. The story behind the name is that I was looking for a name that would encompass the strength that women have. And if you are familiar with ballet, you know what going on point means. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of strength. And it takes the right coach, the right teacher, the right instructor to make sure that you don't harm yourself and go on point before you are ready. For me, at least the analogy was that you can't go into business and you can't do it the right way if you don't have the right tools. Mm -hmm. So Women on Point was going to be the catalyst to provide women with the tools so that they could stay on point and do it the right way. That's great. And I love that. And that's very needed for a lot of women and men, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have actually had men ask us, well, when are you going to have a men on point? I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could actually uh, throw something like that, but certainly Jim would be up for the challenge, I think. So you started Women on Point, and you do coaching through through that and help other women to be the, their best selves in their business and to make sure that they have the tools that they need and that they too can be successful in their endeavors. Absolutely. Uh, we have a great program. The women who have come through our program, some of them have actually gone on to start their own business, which for, for us as an organization is huge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they went from, we like to say, we take women from where they are to where they want to be. And we have seen that happen in Women on Point time and time again. That's incredible. I love that. Much needed out there. I know there's a lot of people struggling and they need that support system. Can you share with the listeners how they would connect more and find out more about Women on Point? Absolutely. They can go to our website and read about Women on Point and our, our classes. We, we meet on the first Thursday of every month. We, our classes are geared to teach women certain tools that they would need in their business, gaining clarity, how to identify their core values, how to write a mission statement, and all of the things that go along with helping you to build your business. But, you know, the focus is on building yourself as well. Mm -hmm. right? It's www.womenonpoint.org. And they can go to that website and learn a little bit more about me, a little bit more about Jim, and also our other coach, Mike Sigmund who is responsible for putting together our incredible web page, our marketing. I think just the way that you live your own life and you've overcome your own challenges is a perfect example to help other people to see that it is possible to move on, to move forward, and to make the necessary adjustments when life happens to us and still be successful. Absolutely. And I would encourage any woman who is going through a difficult time so, you know, sit down and evaluate the situation. It it always seems so dark and so desperate mm. that we often lose sight of the people that God has put in our way to help us through. And we just need to stretch out our hand and allow them to do that. Mm. Powerful. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And before we wrap up, 
Can you share with the listeners who are interested in Send Out Cards where they can connect with you regarding Send Out Cards? Absolutely. I have a website that they can go to. It's www.sendoutcards.com and then forward slash Linda Farmer. Right now we are doing, I I have to share this because it is so powerful. We are doing a 30-day gratitude challenge. So for 30 days, we send out a card of gratitude or thank you to whoever we are prompted to send one to that day. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to make as many people feel better about their situation and let them know how much they mean to us in our lives. So mm-hmm. I just think this is one of the best things that Send Out Cards has done. I'm happy to be a part of it. Yes, I noticed that they are doing that. I know several people who are involved with Send Out Cards, and I think it's an awesome way to remind people to express their appreciation and to be grateful each and every day. And as you said earlier when you talked about the story with your daughter, and I'm sure you have some stories within the situation with your husband, when we find the things to be grateful for, the other things that aren't so great are not as bad because we know that there's something there that is a good thing, that is something to be celebrated. Absolutely. I would love for you to share about your volunteer work at the kids' camp. I became involved with Royal Family Kids' Camp through my youngest son, Jim Farmer, who is the assistant director for the camp. The Royal Family is a camp for abused children kids that are in foster care. Some of them are actually living in shelters, but they come from uh, different backgrounds. Um, Sometimes they've fallen through the cracks and they don't have a lot of joy in their life. Unfortunately, it is what a lot of children that are in our society are faced with. Daily abuse, drug addicted parents, foster care that may not be providing them with all of it they need to meet their needs physically, emotionally, spiritually. So my husband and I are grandma and grandpa once a year. We go to the camp. We bake cookies and we give stories. And we just, and Royal Family is set up so that kids can just be kids Mm -hmm. for a week. That's awesome. And it is absolutely awesome. It is something that we look forward to every summer. That is our summer vacation. That is what we do to give back. And I come back home and I give my grandkids a hug because I just realize how many kids are out there that are going through things that just really break your heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've come to us with um, burn marks and broken bones. And Mm. for the time that they're there, they are just allowed to be kids. And it's, it's life-changing. It's absolutely incredible. Well, that's incredible that, again, in the midst of your circumstances and all the things you have going on, you find another way to give back and to help others. So thank you for sharing about that. Again, Linda, thank you for sharing your story and about all the things that you're doing on Your Story Matters, and I wish you the best in your endeavors. Thank you so much, Angela, for having me on the program. I value you 